Mini episode 1181 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at Sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1181. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here. First uh, mini episode of the new year that uh, we're recording with uh, somebody else, one of our FDH Lounge dignitaries, Steve Callis, longtime friend of the show and contributor to many media outlets. And uh, presently among them, Callis Remarks, the podcast that he does with fellow FDH Lounge dignitary Joe Stazak, who was also to have joined us for this occasion, but has been uh, unavoidably uh, detained. And uh, again, uh, sending our good thoughts out to uh, to Joe uh, on this occasion here, who is having to take care of some business more important than this at the moment. But uh, it's always a pleasure to get together with good friend Steve Callis, one of our longest-running FDH Lounge dignitaries now, I believe, more than a decade, and uh, somebody that we've talked about with any number of subjects. But on many, many, many occasions, it has been the NFL, and specifically, we are breaking down the 2019-20 NFL playoffs. So, of course, we start with the wild card round, and we've already previewed that here in the FDH Lounge, but we'll touch on that, of course, as the first step through the playoffs. Divisional round, subsequently, Championship Sunday, which is an awesome, awesome day. Everybody knows Super Bowl Sunday, but uh, Championship Sunday is always something that I treasure just about as much as well. So we'll be talking about all that and who we think is going to be there at the end. Pleasure to bring in my good friend, Steve Callis. Steve, welcome back to the show, my, my friend. How are you today? All good. Great to be with you as always, Rick. Wonderful to have you here. And as far as it goes with the uh, wild card weekend that we got coming up, it's uh, a really, really interesting uh, bracket that we are starting out with because uh, you have some uh, fairly recent Super Bowl participants in there, of course. You have uh, the Eagles in the NFC, uh, the Patriots in the AFC, uh, of course, they having met the Eagles there two years ago and then subsequently uh, having won the Super Bowl uh, after that. So in terms of how this is shaking out, uh, generally speaking, this weekend, everybody is kind of eyeballing New Orleans as a team that could go on to make a, a pretty decent run. Is there anybody else that you see in this field here who might be able to shake up what we see as being the top teams in either conference, be they uh, Baltimore and Kansas City in the AFC or San Francisco and Green Bay in the NFC? Well, I think I'm being a little stubborn, but I still think the Patriots, even though they've never won when they had to play in the wild card, as you know, I still think the Patriots might be able to get it together. I don't know what happened last week, except they had a former coach who really knew what going on, and of course this week there's a former Patriot who knows what's going on with the Patriots, but I think uh, I think the Saints, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl, so I certainly think they can make this run, even though they did not get a bye, but the only other team I think that can make any real noise is possibly, and it's, it's a small possibility now, is the Patriots. Very interesting. That's a game where I have the Patriots coming out of that one there. The, the, the Titans seem like a trendy pick because of 
Uh, obviously, New England's offense just being a dumpster fire at this point in time, and they, they really look like a team that is just uh, limping uh, to the finish. But, uh, again, you're still looking at Ryan Tannehill with his career history. I know he's having a career year, but with his history on the road at night, uh, and, and against a team that does a good job of doing what Tennessee does best, which is stopping the run. They do a very good job of stopping that. So you're, you're looking at a set of circumstances here where, uh, again, I'd already forecast, could be a messy battle of field goals, but uh, and, and it, obviously kicking is not a strength of New England's. But uh, it's it, I, I kind of agree with you, at least as far as coming out of this weekend here. I'm not as quick to bury them as everybody else is. Well, don't forget also they played against, I understand Tannehill is much improved, maybe he gets the most improved player award or whatever, but uh, Belichick has played against him twice a year for a lot of years when he was down in Miami, so I think there's an additional advantage for the Patriots, although they obviously will see that he's done much better uh, since going to the Titans and replacing Mariota. I think you can actually make a case for three of the four visitors here. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, since you've already done this, I'll just give you mine. I've picked all the home teams, even though I can make a case for the Bills and their good defense. I can make a case for the Seahawks, who are the favorites on the road at Philly. And I can make a puncher's chance case for the Titans. I think the only one that's a sure shot is the Saints. And I think the Vikings outline, even with Dalvin Cook, I don't think they're going to be running that well. And I think the Saints are going to be able to run it on the Vikings. But I'm going to take every home team, including the Patriots, uh, because I think when you get to this time of year, even though they lost to Miami, I think they're going to be much better tomorrow. And that's their only home game, as you know, assuming they win. If they go on, they're on the road for the rest of the playoffs. Yes, and uh, to recap picks that I made, you and I are actually in alignment here because I have Houston over Buffalo because I used the, the, somewhat of the same logic uh, in in the Tennessee game there. And that uh, Buffalo, they've got to come in. They've got to, they're a young team. They're going to be on the road. And, uh, again, you've, you've got a Houston team uh, that's pretty good at defensing some of the things that they're good at. So uh, I, I look at uh, a situation where Houston gets by. I kind of agree with and, you on New and, Orleans. And, mm-hmm. and, and also, Rick, getting J.J. Watt back, even if he's not 100%, that's going to give them a big lift, I think. It is. It's going to give a lift emotionally and then obviously tangibly on the field because he's a top-five player in the league regardless of position when healthy. So, yes, you're absolutely right about that. Agree with you about New Orleans and Minnesota. I mean, it's it's you know easy to look at this and say, oh, well, Minnesota's much improved offensively in the passing game. But having to do it on the road and particularly in a circumstance where, again, as great as Dalvin Cook is, uh, he's going to have to do it against a New Orleans defense that is going to be geared up uh, and, and, and has a, they've bottled up some pretty decent backs in the past here. So uh, I, I agree with you on that one. The one that is the most interesting game potentially of the weekend and the one where I would guess you have the most divergence in terms of picks, although I might be wrong, would be the Seattle-Philly game. And I'm with you on that one because that's a thing where if Seattle wasn't in a circumstance where they're basically signing their fourth string back off of the street and Yes, I know technically his name is Marshawn Lynch, but technically Peyton Manning was the name of the guy that was the quarterback when Denver last won the Super Bowl, but we all know that wasn't Peyton Manning. And, uh, you know, well, again, Lynch, you know, he showed in a game already. He can give you something. But they weren't just getting something from their backfield this year. They were really getting power production just like when Lynch was there. 
And I just think it's asking a lot to come in on the road. Philly weirdly gets geared up this time of year and, and gets a, I'm not going to say a run because I think they're going to be roadkill for whoever's next. But uh, I, I kind of agree with you on Philly there. I was looking forward to seeing what Joe thought about this, and uh, we'll have to see if Joe agrees uh, or doesn't. Joe Stazek, uh, of course, your partner from the podcast. But yeah, my sense is his Eagles are going to get through, uh, even if it's by the skin of their teeth, even if it's in a messy, messy game. Uh, I, I see them just inching through this week. I totally agree with that. I think uh, I did not think they were going to beat Dallas, to be quite frank, but they did. So that kind of puts their other three victories in perspective. You know, Wentz has played all 16 games. He's healthy. Nobody else is. Uh, but he's been able to pull a rabbit out of his hat for a few weeks in a row, and I think that defense stepped up big time against Dallas because you know what Dallas did to the Rams the week before. There's also... I don't know if you might call it the choke factor for Dallas or whatever it is, but for the Eagles to come back, I did not think they could beat Dallas, and they did. Um, so I think that gives them, again, their one home game. I think they're fine. But I don't really see any of these teams other than the Saints and maybe the Patriots really causing any noise after this weekend. Well, and that's one of the most interesting things is that Philly, when you look at them, and, and really this goes back to the, uh, the Andy Reid time, although they did at least make it to one Super Bowl. But Philly in the 21st century, they haven't really been a clutch team this time of year either, with the exception of that run in 2017, but that's one more run than the Cowboys have had. So this is one of these things where you kind of look at it like, if you're looking at a situation where uh, if, if there's going to be a team out there this time of year that's going to out-choke Philly, I would think it would be Dallas. Uh, you're 100% right. I, I, you know, they've been terrible for 20 years, and someone still tries to pitch them as America's team. I don't buy it at all. No, I don't either. I mean, that's uh, that's a pretty phony uh, status for them. And ultimately, yeah, I kind of agree with you that, uh, again, Philly is a team that can get through uh, the weekend. So we're, basically we're kind of uh, imagining it uh, the same way uh, subsequently then. So that would take us to a next weekend of uh, Baltimore catching uh, Houston at home. And that's one where I think Houston is something of a live dog in this game. Uh, and again, I've been a, I've been huge on Deshaun Watson from well before he came into the league. I uh, was really advocating for my Browns to take him at the time. They passed him up twice. Uh, again, I, I would take Baltimore to get through, but I don't know if that's a foregone conclusion that so many people would necessarily think it is. Yeah, well, I think Deshaun Watson, is, he's not Lamar Jackson, but he's in that kind of vein. He's a good quarterback, and again, depending on the health of uh, J.J. Watt, I think they could make this a close game. But I agree with you. I think the Ravens, frankly, since they destroyed the Patriots, I think the Ravens have been head and shoulders above the whole league, both conferences. And they've had a couple that you can put in the Bills tape, you know, they beat them 24-17. You can find little spots, but somehow they just have a way, and it's mainly a little Lamar Jackson way. And their defense is pretty good, you know, it's not, not the Ravens of, of the Ray Lewis, but their defense is pretty good as well. And you know what you have to do. You have to run it, and you have to play defense, and they can certainly run it better than anybody. And, you know, it's not just Lamar Jackson, but they can run it, and they have good defense. So... I think they're going to get through on the Texans as well. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the other game might be the first one where we would disagree in looking at this year because while I think New England has enough to get past Tennessee, I think it's another thing altogether. When you look at the way that Kansas City has played over the second half of the season, most importantly, I would say defensively. The fact that they have been able to get this defense to at least middle of the pack 
which they are by either measure. They're 14th in DVOA and 17th in yards right about now. So it's not the, the sterling defense that New England has, which again, New England's defense is even better than it was when they faced Kansas City last year, but their offense has fallen off of a cliff since then. I would look for Mahomes and the guys to, uh, to, to have that breakthrough win against them in the divisional round. Yeah, we will disagree on that, although the Chiefs did beat New England this year, as you know, and New England could not run the ball on the Chiefs, which was very surprising to me, and I thought the difference in that regular season game. I still think it's the playoffs. They did beat the Chiefs last year uh, in the playoffs. I still think somehow they're going to get that magic to get through the Chiefs, um, but obviously it's going to be very difficult. I think they're going to find a way to run the ball on the Chiefs, which is going to lead for them to have a longer time of possession, which is going to lead to Mahomes not being on the field as much. I have a feeling somehow at the end of the day, Bill Belichick against Andy Reid in the gigantic spot. It's always been Bill Belichick. So I think it will be, uh, I picked the Patriots to eke out a victory on the road against the Chiefs. Very, very interesting. Uh, I, I would say also this next game here, that we're looking at, I, I, I am quite positive that we are going to probably agree on this one with uh, San Fran and Philly, uh, should that be the matchup the, the subsequent week. One of the things that we like to uh, measure here, we did our uh, FDH Ultimate Quantitative Baseline. You can check that out at uh, the FDH Lounge Multimedia Magazine at the fdhlounge.blogspot.com of going through on uh, 13 different measures, all of the DVOA measures, yardage, uh, offensively and defensively, both in terms of passing and rushing. And then a couple other things here, too, to put our own fingerprints on it. Power rankings, strength of schedule, and then a power ranking based on uh, impressiveness of victories based on the schedule. Philly's schedule on our metric, 31st in the league this year. And I am a believer in the glass jaw theory here. I do have them getting past Seattle, who had uh, a very powerful schedule, ninth in our index. San Francisco's was 11th. Uh, on that. I think Philly, uh, again, they've got any number of other issues right now, including injuries, uh, a lot of them at their skill positions. they got a lot of things wrong with them, inconsistent play this year. But in the end, the thing that might actually make this kind of an ugly game at San Francisco, I think, is the glass jaw. The Niners have been in there in the toughest division in football all year long in heavyweight matchups. Philly, not so much. I think that game could actually get ugly. Well, I agree with you in terms of the winner. I think the 49ers, although I'm not going to pick them to go to the Super Bowl, I think right now they're either the best or second best team in the NFC and possibly in all of football after the Ravens. Uh, I don't think the Eagles can beat them. Uh, the Eagles have been surprising at times, but Nick Foles isn't walking through that door. And although Wentz has now proven to me anyway that he can win some clutch games in the regular season and stay healthy for a season, neither of which he had shown anybody, I think, in Philly in the last few years, uh, I think the next steps he has to take, which is to win a playoff game, which I think he can. Remember, he hasn't won one. Uh, but to go to San Francisco and play the first or second or third best team in football on the road in the playoffs, I think is too much. Don't forget how banged up the Eagles are. They get full credit for winning what they've won. But keep in mind, too, they beat the Giants twice, Washington, and again, the most underachieving team in football for the last 20 years, the Dallas Cowboys. So I think, yes, they get by Seattle, as you do. And I also agree with you, they, they do not get by the 49ers. Well, and here's an interesting one, because uh, th this may come into play when you get into the divisional round here, and it would be interesting to see the number of times that uh, a team has not just been a favorite on the road in the divisional round, but perhaps 
a substantial favorite. My, my guess is it could be five to seven points for New Orleans. And there's already a presumption among a lot of the pundits out there that throw the seeds out the door. New England, or I'm sorry, New Orleans is the better team than Green Bay. I'm going to tell you this. New Orleans, in our ultimate quantitative baseline, this mashup of the 13 statistics, they came out third. Green Bay came out 15th. And they're the only team I'm going to do this for. I'm going to read you how they placed in every one of these categories. Now, in our power rankings, they were fifth. That's their high watermark. Strength of schedule, 32nd. Uh, impressiveness of victories based on schedule, 21st. DVOA, 10th. Offensive DVOA, 8th. But then, offensive yards, 18th. Offensive passing yards, 17th. Offensive rushing yards, 15th. DV, uh, defensive DVOA, 15th. Defensive yards, 18th. Passing yardage, 14th. Rushing yards, 23rd. Special teams DVOA, 18th. A lot of numbers in the teens right there, Steve Callis, for a team that's got a buy. That tells you that they are more mediocre than the record would indicate. I, I'm on New Orleans in this game fairly strongly, and like I said, I expect that they may challenge whatever the record is or come close to it for being a favorite on the road in the second round. Well, I agree. I don't, I don't, look, the Packers have Aaron Rodgers, and it's the old, he's a magician, uh, and I totally agree with that. But having said that, I think New Orleans from before the season, I kind of picked them to go to the Super Bowl partly as the response to the bad karma from last year, where they should have gone to the Super Bowl, although everybody will say correctly, oh, they had chances afterwards, they could have done this, they breezed through an interception, and blah, blah, blah. The reality is, had the simplest of pass interference calls been made, the game was over. They would have taken three knees and maybe uh, maybe they would have given up the ball with 10 seconds left in the game or something. So I think there's a little bit of karma. I think Brees came back early from that injury, you'll recall, and I didn't think he should before the bye, but he did, and he's been on fire every set ever since. They did lose a shootout to the 49ers in New Orleans, so I'm sure we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. But I think they're a much better team than the Packers, and frankly, to me, for the Saints not getting a bye to play the Vikings and then assuming they win, which I think they will, play the Packers is a relatively easy way to get, even though the Packers are the higher seed. Your numbers just bore everything out, uh, but it's as much the eye, the eye test as well. And, you know, they always talk about the triplets down in Dallas back with Eggman played even now with Dak, but I think the triplets in the NFL now are Breeze, Thomas, and Alvin Kamara, and I think they're the best trio in the NFL, and I think they're going to light it up wherever they go, including on the road. I would agree with that, and uh, again, a historic season for Michael Thomas there in yeah. New Orleans, and uh, one where, again, lest we forget, uh, he bridged, no pun intended, Breeze and Bridgewater, both throwing him the ball there. So some credit to Teddy Bridgewater for coming in yes. and being a very good sub, as we expected. But for Michael Thomas, I mean, a lot of great wide receivers have suffered when quarterback play has not been there. And, and again, uh, Bridgewater did fine, but he's no Drew Brees. Uh, again, or at least at this stage anyways, I, I don't want to put a cap on his future because I've always been a Teddy Bridgewater guy, but he's, he's not where Drew Brees has developed to. Very few are. i got to say, and even though this game's going to be the nightcap on Championship Sunday, let's go with it now for the sake of continuity, New Orleans and San Francisco, if indeed that's the game, which we both think it will be. That's one where, again, coming into the year, I just thought that, again, the burdens of two consecutive heartbreaking losses in the playoffs, Drew Brees getting to the point where we saw it with Peyton Manning, and I believe we're seeing it right now with Tom Brady of where a quarterback just reaches that tipping point. 
And I thought based on the way he played the second half of last year, we were going to see that with Drew Brees. But he's come back from the injury. He's been strong. He's been uh, really, really outstanding. That game should be very exciting. In, in the end, I think it's asking a bit much uh, for them to go into San Francisco to beat a team that I think is going to come in fairly well-rested, because like I said, I don't think they're going to break much of a sweat against uh, Philadelphia. They actually scored out first in our year-end UQB rankings. There's only a couple of areas where San Francisco grades out as even average, uh, and, and those would be offensive passing yards 13th, a defensive rushing yards 17th, special teams DVOA 12th. I don't know if there's enough vulnerability for New Orleans to come in and beat them. It sounds like you disagree. Uh, I've got the Saints going to the Super Bowl, but you're, you're right on all those numbers, and you can point to the fact that the 49ers won a shootout in New Orleans on the road, and now the tables are turned, so it doesn't seem like, at least from a handicapping perspective, one would pick the Saints. But I still believe uh, the last two years, especially last year, there's some kind of karma there. A lot of teams would have folded after the defeats they've had the last two years. I look at teams like Seattle after they lost the Super Bowl on the Malcolm Butler interception. I look at teams like um, Atlanta when they were up 28-3 in the Super Bowl and lost, and they just disappeared. I mean, it was incredible how not really good they were after the fact. You had people picking them the next year to go to the Super Bowl, and none of them could come back from that kind of thing. But the Saints, to me, have come back from two years ago, have come back from last year, which was much worse in my opinion, and here they are again. Um, so I'm just, maybe because I picked them at the beginning of the year, Rick, that's a possibility. Uh, and I think the 49ers should be going up below. Bill Belichick really did do them a favor, frankly, a second round draft pick, really. Um, and they will be the favorites at home in that game, but I'll take a chance with the Saints. I think, again, Saints have a good defense, they have a good offense. And this Alvin Kamara might be the wild card in that game, as opposed to even a Michael Thomas or a Drew Brees. Very well might be. That should be a very, very exciting game. And uh, if we get what we think we're looking for in the AFC, and uh, again, uh, most people, the majority of people, I suppose, would agree with me in predicting that it is going to be Mahomes v. Jackson, Baltimore v. Kansas City. The way that New England's looking right now, uh, probably a, a lesser slice of the pie, making the pick that you are of Baltimore versus uh, New England. Very interesting that, uh, again, New England on the longest run in NFL history of making it to Championship Sunday. They will extend that streak if they do so, uh, if they make it back to the, the, uh, the championship game, as you are thinking that they will. Uh, breaking the streak of the Oakland Raiders in the uh, 1970s, which, again, the Raiders, for all of that, only made it to one Super Bowl. New England has had much better success. But early in their run, facing Baltimore, this would be kind of going full circle for them at what most people see right now as what looks like the end of their run based on how they've looked over the second half of the season. So to, to play Baltimore again, at least it goes full circle, if nothing else, as far as how this run has materialized. Uh, I think in the end, if it's Baltimore, Kansas City, let's look at it that way first. So presuppose that I'm right about that before we look at your scenario. I'm going to say the same thing that I said uh, about another game uh, previously, which I actually uh, Houston and Baltimore, which is I don't think it's the foregone conclusion that a lot of people would think. I think for Kansas City to be able to come in there uh, Baltimore's had a good uh, defense this year, and particularly after some of the trades and adjustments that they've made. 
but I'm not going to look at that Chiefs offense and say that they have zero chance of pulling it off on the road. In the end, gun to my head, I would say Baltimore, but uh, certainly not the foregone conclusion in my mind that a lot of people would think it is. Well, the problem for me, Ravens v. Chiefs, is the Chiefs aren't very good against the run, and the Ravens are the most dominant running team we've seen in decades, and the Ravens will be at home. So that plays out. I'm not going to say anything different about the Patriots against the Ravens either. Yeah. But that plays out that I think the Ravens have just, I do agree, they've changed the game. But, of course, it's not just Jackson. It's Ingram as well. Uh, Jackson can throw it a little bit. The notion that he's a runner, which he kind of mocked people about at the beginning of the year, he's proven that he's right and all those naysayers were wrong. Uh, he's really changed the team, I think, for the better, obviously. Uh, and I think it doesn't really matter because the Chiefs' defense, which is better, isn't a lot better than they thought it would be last year. Don't forget there was D Ford and guys like that. And um, I think they're better, but they can't stop the run, and you're going into the best-running team maybe that uh, I've seen in my lifetime. You know, you might have to go back to the Packers and the Power Sweep when it was a totally different game. Uh, when they were winning all those championships and early Super Bowls. Um, but I think the Ravens beat the Chiefs, and I'll just save you the, the trouble on the Patriots. I think the Ravens beat the Patriots for a similar reason when I saw what they did. And, you know, Belichick's record is not that great against teams he's lost to during the season. There's an interesting stat that if Belichick plays you and he hasn't played you in the regular season and he plays you in the postseason, he's 17-1 and one in those games, which wow. is pretty incredible and helps against the Titans, even though the Titans beat them. That was last year. Titans beat them badly, and that was also in Tennessee. Uh, but his record, I think, is around 500 or maybe a little better than 500 when he's played you during the regular season. So I don't think that's really going to matter. And again, I remember watching that Ravens Patriots game and saying, "Oh, we're seeing something different here now." And ever since then, they've taken off to dominate most teams. Not all. You know, you can find the half that you can stick in, and they only scored seven, or you just beat the Bills, and you can find some stuff. But you need incredible athleticism on top of being strong. You need incredible athleticism. And as I've heard people say, yeah, when we practice against, like, we're going to play the Ravens, nobody can run it like Lamar Jackson. There's nobody you can call in to kind of look like him. And frankly, that's a problem. But he steps on the field and he's the fastest guy and one of the most athletic. So I don't think either the Chiefs or the Patriots in Baltimore will beat the Ravens. Very interesting. And for what you said, you really, really put your finger on it. Kansas City, 26th in the league in defensive rushing yards. So yes, that would be a very tough uh, battle for them. Uh, New England actually sixth, so New England would be better poised in terms of trying to contain the Baltimore rush, but as far as keeping up offensively, they would be far, far worse than Kansas City in that regard as far as how they would match up. So essentially, and this is where, again, it, it comes down to getting a second look here because so many of these playoff games this year figure to be rematches of things we saw during the regular season. Uh, we got to see San Francisco against Baltimore, which I think is going to be the Super Bowl uh, matchup. Uh, we did not get to see uh, New Orleans and Baltimore this year, uh, but uh, we got to see San Francisco and New Orleans, uh, which, uh, again, you and I both see being uh, the NFC Championship game. So a couple of the, the marquee matchups here uh, are, are things that we've seen before. So if it's going to be San Francisco... Uh, and Baltimore, which uh, let's take my scenario here first, and we'll take the New Orleans-Baltimore thing subsequently. 
again, San Francisco, at least, I mentioned this a minute ago, one of the only areas where they're even mediocre, statistically, 17th in the league in defensive rushing yards. So they're at least middle of the pack against Baltimore. At the end of the day, and I would expect Baltimore to be favored, not least of which because, again, uh, statistically they've come in as, as one of the best teams of all time. In terms of uh, DVOA, uh, this is one of the all-time great seasons that, that they have had. I would expect them to be favored over Frisco. And at the end of the day, though, again, I'm somebody where I look at San Francisco as a more traditional team on this stage, a team that's seen Baltimore once before uh, and, and hung with them and, and surely would have some ideas about what they'd like to do a second time. I would take the Niners in an upset. Uh, not, not merely because, again, uh, it's what I'd like to see if it comes to that as a lifelong Clevelander, but I actually think I would get my way. I think it would be San Francisco in the end on that one. How would you see it shaking out? I don't see it either way. I see the 49ers or the Saints. I give both of them a chance. I would say like a 30, 35% chance to win. But from what I've seen of the Ravens ever since that Patriots game and, and beyond, uh, has just been too much. You're right, though. The 49ers certainly have, I would say, a better chance than uh, New Orleans if it gets that far because they've seen them and you have a sense of it all. Um, the Patriots, if they somehow miraculously could get to the championship game and beat Kansas City and play the Ravens, I would give them a puncher's chance for the same reason. Uh, but I'll say it again. You can see this, and now you understand the speed and the quickness and, oh, my goodness, but to me, there's not a whole lot that they can do because they have so many other options if somehow you can shut him down, which has been virtually impossible to do. So do I think the Ravens can lose in the Super Bowl? I do. But do I think they will, either against the 49ers or the Saints? I don't. Interesting. Now, on the glass jaw theory, Baltimore 24th in schedule on our index this year, San Francisco 11th, New Orleans 12th. So both of them would have it there. I just want to say, as we're bringing this whole thing full circle, it's very interesting because you and I, I believe, on this show, I, I, I'm quite certain we have talked all four major sports at one time or another, and you generally are more of the traditionalist slash I'll believe it when I see it than I am yes. on stuff. You, you get into the NBA, you're one of these people where, you know, you'd probably like to see Houston burned at the stake for taking more threes than twos over the course of a season, so... The notion that Baltimore has revolutionized the game, you're not among the people that I would expect to say that in the first year that they've done it. Yeah, they went on that run late last year, but the Chargers exposed them in the playoffs. They retooled and have done it again this year. This is what's fascinating about this show is you never know who's going to say at what at what particular time. You are surprising me here, Steve, with your perspective. I applaud your open-mindedness. You're showing you're not just in a box here and you're looking at things open-mindedly, but... Yeah, I wouldn't have expected that take from you. It's very interesting. Well, I haven't seen many teams do to Bill Belichick what the Ravens did to him. And interestingly, because you have to mention Harbaugh vis-a-vis the Patriots because he's been one of the toughest coaches. My son went to that game up in New England years ago, and he said where, you know, Ray Rice ran for 80 yards on, like, the first or second play. And he said by the time he's a Patriots fan, as you know, by the time he got in the seat, it was 14 nothing, and the final was 33-14 Ravens. So they have a history. They have a mentality in the building. And while I understand this is a totally different group of players, they have the coach who's done it before, uh, and I think they can do it again. And I'll say it again. When I watched that Ravens-Patriots game, 
it's not so much the reason I'm even picking the Ravens now is because we all agree the Patriots' offense is not what it is for many reasons. Maybe Tom Brady's too old. They're all line. They lost their fullback. Gronkowski's not there. You can give ten reasons, but it's what they did to the Patriots' defense. And I understand, you know, they had just played against the Steelers in the first week, and maybe Buffalo, who's not great offensively, and a bunch of Patsies after that. But their defense was so dominant, historically dominant. And what they did to the Patriots that night, that day, was, was just incredible to me. And to me, they've proven it's not a fluke because of what they've done the rest of the season. No matter what you say about them, they won every game. So, yeah. yes, you can you can slow them down, but I don't think you can really stop them. And, yes, it is unusual for me, but I think uh, the Ravens have been the best team since that Patriots game. And I think they know they're the best team, and I think Harbaugh has managed to keep them at the top of their game. A lot of people, including my son, said, oh, maybe they'll peak early. Um, but I haven't seen them peak early. I've seen them be unconscious almost every week for the rest of the season since the Patriots game. So that's why I'm going with them, and uh, I'm expecting them to win. And believe me, it's hard for me to pick against the Patriots. It's hard for me to pick against the Saints. And you made a very good case for the 49ers. Well, thank you. And, uh, again, you doing uh, something very, very interesting there. And, and again, somewhat going against type with, with something of a uh, non-traditional pick on your part with, with a team that's really in its first year of being this explosive uh, in terms of the run game going with them there. Gives me a good a chance to say and a good chance to plug here. Subsequently, for takes like that, we are going to have coming up for the show here, uh, for our show's uh, upcoming anniversary here, we're doing a little bit of a survey amongst not just the dignitaries, but the wider FDH uh, Academy of Arts and Sciences here, uh, questionnaire on the 2010s and the 2020s. I've already gotten some things back here, various modes of sports, society, whatever, some very good and thought-provoking things there on a par with what you just said about Baltimore, because again, that was, uh, it, it's always good when, you know, somebody from this show can kind of take and surprise you a little bit by, by going against what you think they might take. I really, I, I can't put you over strongly enough for that. Because uh, there are there are times on this show when various folks, uh, maybe myself included, have maybe even been a little bit predictable in what we said. So I always want to give credit where credit is due when somebody is unpredictable and makes strong points as you do uh, in that regard. So uh, along those lines, again, can't thank you enough for being here today. Really appreciate it, uh, Steve. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Always great to be with you, Rick. It's always great to have you here, my friend. Thank you, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in to FDH Lounge mini-episode number 1181.